All right, welcome to the free stretch here on JoeBucksFan.com. Bobby Fenton with you. It's a week 12 edition of the show, Thanksgiving week edition of the show. I'm recording a little early this time around on Wednesday, which actually is the time of week I should usually record, but it usually ends up happening Thursday or Friday anyway. But we got a big slate this weekend. The bye weeks aren't over with, but there are none this week, so a full slate of 16 games, including three on Thanksgiving, one on Black Friday, then the regular slate on Sunday and Monday Night Football as well, and that includes Sunday, the Bucks at the Colts at 1 p.m. as the Bucks try to get something going now after having lost five out of six with the 27-14 loss in San Francisco this past weekend. So we're going to talk about that game, we're going to look ahead to the Colts game, we're going to talk Big picture state of the franchise stuff, which we usually do, because this is one of those seasons where that is more important than the immediate here and now. And we didn't do a show last week. I was busy and out of town and didn't get a chance to record after the Titans game. And, you know, that was a nice win. One of those games you do what you're supposed to do. But nobody thought on Sunday, well, I didn't say nobody, but a lot of people didn't think the Bucks even had a chance. I thought they had a chance. They always have a chance. It's the NFL, but not a good one. And it turns out the game went roughly how most people expected. The Bucks hung in there a little bit, got behind, tried to come back, came up short. 49ers win 27-14. I'll say this much, okay? That would have, should have, could have. I don't think there was any one or even two plays that would have changed the outcome of that game. But it would have been nice if they could have stepped up and made a play here or there. I mean, I thought you know, it was 27-14. They had multiple chances to get a touchdown and make it 27-21 with time left and timeouts, and maybe they get a stop and get the ball back. Who knows? Probably not. But the Bucks were more in that game than I thought they might be later in the going. And this isn't college football. This isn't like uh, an FCS team sticking with a Division I power into the third quarter or fourth quarter. It's the NFL. You're supposed to be in games all the, every week. But still, looking for little things. But what's, what struck me watching the game on Sunday... And really watching the Bucks these past few weeks and losing five out of six. Is there about what they should be? I mean, for all the teeth gnashing, for all the hand-wringing, for all the thing, all, all the stress we put ourselves through as fans and start, oh my God, isn't four and six about right? Maybe five and five. You, know, you I, I still, of all the games this season, I'm still bugged the most by the Atlanta game. I say this every week. But... I don't feel like the Bucks are like not as good as they should be or underperforming their roster. They are what they are. They're mid, my son says. That's what the kids say now. I guess mid means like mediocre, and they'll use it to describe chicks they think are just okay looking, or they'll use it to describe things, foods or drinks or whatever that aren't that good. Mid, that's what the Bucks are. And it's amazing how psychology works because we let things, our brains aren't very good at recognizing cause and effect a lot of the time and we let things fool us we let circumstances that have nothing to do with the issue at hand color the way we feel about the issue at hand and what I mean by that is the Bucks are four and six they're not very good they're not a team that you look at and say hey that these guys they they can get hot the future's bright blah 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 they're just kind of there okay and if they were in any other division We'd be feeling horribly right now. A lot of us don't feel great about the Bucks in general, but the fact that they're in such a poor division and they're only a game out of first place and they're in the race and every game they play, let's be honest, 
as mid as they are, matters a great deal. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. When the games matter, we kind of ignore all the other stuff. Okay, well, the game matters, so it must be, we must be you know, something if our games matter. But the only reason they matter is random geography. The divisions are grouped by geography, right? We're in there with Atlanta, New Orleans, and Carolina. Those three franchises, through no fault or credit to our franchise, they just happen to be also mid or worse in Carolina's case. So because of that, we sit here and tout, well, division champs in 2022. They were 8-9. and nine, And they're 4-6 and six now. They may, hey, they may very well win the division. I don't know. They may come up short. I still think even as mid as the division is, I still think the Bucks have to go at least four and three, and probably five and two. Five and two would get them the nine and eight, a winning record. Maybe this division eight and nine wins it again, like it did last year. I don't know. But my point is, if they were in any other division and they were completely up the racetrack with no hope, the games would barely matter right now. Same exact team, same exact record. It would completely change the complexion of the season. It would completely change our emotions and the way we see the team, and nothing would actually be different. That's my point. So as we sit here, having lost five of six, having seen the Bucks' schedule, and having seen, having seen them get their wins with the exception of Minnesota, which was just a rabbit-out-of-the-hat win. I, I still don't believe they won that. But the, the other wins they've gotten, Chicago, bad. New Orleans, mid. Tennessee, I'm going to say they're bad. And, and that's, you know, I mean, they, and then whenever they've gone up against the true teams, the teams you look at and say, that's what a team that's in contention looks like. Philadelphia, ass-kicked. Detroit, ass-kicked. Even Buffalo is not as good as we normally think of them, but they're still a team you look at as a team that's capable of making a run in January. 24-18, Bucks got a late The game wasn't as close as it seemed, although they almost won it if Godwin catches a Hail Mary. But point is, they haven't been in the same class as teams. And you know it because we've done it too. We saw, we saw the Bucks in 2020 and 2021. We know what that looks like. And this isn't it. So... Why I keep going back, like, like the San Francisco game, here's what bothers me the most. Oh, Brock Purdy, perfect passer rating. Everybody keeps talking about that. And by the way, as a, a little bit of an aside here, there are certain stats I look at, certain stats that may be emphasized more than others. Passer rating isn't really one. I don't care about stats in general like that. I mean, they're fine. I'm not upset about it, but... A perfect passer rating should mean you have to complete all your passes. You can't have four incomplete passes and have a perfect passer rating. I don't understand. The formula means nothing to me because you can have four incomplete passes and still be pro. Like, what if you had completed the other four? Would have been more. I guess it wouldn't have gone up. It can't be higher than 158.3. Overall point being, though, this defense, and I look at Todd Bowles. He's in his second year. All the talk now is about Where's the franchise going from here? Is Todd Bowles' job on the line in these final seven games? Of course, yeah. I, I, you know, it's only the second season. Normally, unless you're really, really bad or a case like Raheem Morris, and I don't even think it was Raheem Morris's fault, but that second year was just an absolute atrocity. And I mean, really, I, it, like two-thirds of the roster need to be fired. Those guys were both terrible on and off the field. Uh, inmates were running the asylum. He was a young head coach, wasn't strong enough to step in there. It was a complete train wreck, and they needed to do something there. But normally, I feel like two years is a bit of a hair trigger, and you want to give it three full years. Dirk Cutter got three years. Of course, Dirk Cutter was 9-7 and seven in his first year, so he had a winning record. That probably bought him some time. 
Um, looking at some of the other coaches they've had and did not keep. Lovey Smith was only two years below 500 both times. Raheem Morris was only two years. Like I said, he also had a winning record in 2010, that magical 2010 season, but then the 2011 year was just so bad they had to do something. Um, Lovey Smith and Raheem Morris are other guys who got in two years. Bruce Arians was here three years. Of course, he left on his own. But they've. The, the, my point is the Glazers have done it. Like the Glazers will make a move after two years. They won't do it midseason, but they will make a move after two years. So... Yeah, I, I don't think I know for sure. I don't think anybody knows for sure, but I definitely feel like the outcomes in these final seven games will go a long way in determining the future of the franchise. And this is what I went back to with the last show. I'm not saying I know what I want to happen because I don't think it'll be evident what was best for the franchise until years from now have passed, you know? But there's been the discussion of tanking, and not, I mean, the Bucks aren't tanking, but more like rooting for your team to lose in these situations. And what should we be rooting for right now? I brought it up. Other people have brought it up to me. I don't think it's about necessarily the draft pick. I don't get obsessed over, oh, we need to lose this game because then we'll pick sixth instead of 10th. I don't think that matters. I think if you look back at previous drafts, you look back at all these different things, both with the Bucks and franchises across the entire NFL, you see an equal number of instances where a team – ended up being better off because they got a guy at a certain pick and they maybe wouldn't even have picked him if they'd picked higher as opposed to if they'd picked top pick or whatever like that and taken somebody up. So that's a lot of randomness. I'm not saying I'm rooting for the Bucks to lose to get better draft picks. I don't think it matters that much. What does matter, but again, it's hard to say if you're rooting for it or not, is timing. Timing is everything in life. Timing can change and again, only one thing actually happens in life, right? Like there's only one path you take, only one course of events takes place. All the would have, should have, we never know for sure. So we only know what we have to go on. But the path the Bucks take is being decided right now. We don't know what the good path or the bad path is. And I don't know if winning or losing more games leads to it. So that's why it's kind of, it kind of sucks. I mean, I, it, just sitting here every week watching these games, and I'm still rooting for them to win. I guess the one saving grace is... Just surely for entertainment purposes, hey, yeah, let's win the division. Let's have a playoff game. It would be at Raymond James Stadium, even if it's a repeat of what happened last season where they weren't competitive and Dallas came in here and, and beat them up and, and that was that and everybody moved on. Even if that's what happens again, that's better than nothing, right? Just from an entertainment standpoint, as far as the franchise future, I don't know. But I do know this, and John Romano wrote a great column this week in the Tampa Bay Times. I encourage you all to read it. If you're not a subscriber to the Times, you can still read the one free article, but look it up. It's, it's a good column. So what he wrote, and the headline, I'm not going to read the whole column, but the headline was, if you're mad at the Bucks, make sure you're looking in the right direction. He pointed out some of the flaws on this team. And first of all, let me point out the first thing he said, going back to what I opened the show with. Should we be that upset? I mean, they, they are what they are, right? The Bucks have $78 million of dead cap money, Okay. 78 million. That leads the NFL. The last five teams to lead the NFL in dead money in the season that they led, their records have been 3 and 14, 3 13 and 1, 5 and 11, 5 and 11, 6 and 10. That goes back to 2018. So those are the last five seasons the team that led the league in dead cap money. None of those teams were better than 5 and 11. And a couple of them were even worse. 
or excuse me, six and ten. Buffalo is it in twenty eighteen? So okay, hey, this is what we should expect, right? I mean, the Bucks in that situation actually seem like they're outperforming a little bit. They're they're hanging around five hundred if they can win a couple here and there, and the schedule does get a little easier. And none of the teams that led in dead cap money before this have done that. So there's that. But then, and this is what it comes down to for me. The Bucs, you know, John Tortorella said this when the Lightning won this first Stanley Cup in 2004, okay? He said, our best players need to be our best players. He was talking about Brad Richards, Vane LeCavalier, Marty St. Louis, Nikolai Hobby Bull, and that 4 Lightning team, for those of you that remember. The Bucks' best players are not very good, okay? Devin White had three tackles against San Francisco. He's the number one paid defensive player. Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean are not having good seasons, okay? They're getting beaten routinely. And that big touchdown pass to, is it, Ayuk on Sunday? That was press. We're always saying, oh, this soft zone sucks, and it does. But that was press man. He got beaten that too. Uh, Jamel Dean, this play he got hurt on. So Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, they've been liabilities as the starting corners. Those are not guys, those are not rock-solid guys you can rely on this season. They're the third and fifth highest paid defensive players on the roster. This is all in the column Romano wrote. I want to make sure I give credit because he wrote a great... Go read the column John Romano wrote in the Times. Shaq Barrett, he's not himself anymore. All right, he's coming off that injury and he's not himself anymore. Five sacks in his last 16 games. The first 16 games he played for the Bucs, he had 19 and a half. Okay? On and on and on and on. The, the, and, and Antoine Winfield and Levante David... Those guys are playing their asses off. That's it, okay? As far as the big guy, I'm not saying they're the only ones. In fact, I like what some of the younger guys are doing. We'll talk about that in a little while. But the Bucks' best players aren't their best player. On offense, Mike Evans, he's doing what he always does. Chris Godwin hasn't been himself since coming back from injury. The offensive line's a work in progress. Tristan Wirfs is playing at an all-pro level like he always does. And Gedeke, he's been pretty good, too. Give him credit on the tackle spots. Hainsey and the two guards... And now, right now, it's uh, Stenny and, you know, Malk. Malk's been bad. He's a rookie. He's going to take his lumps. That's fine. But I'm saying that, you know, overall, the Bucks' roster and their cap situation all lead into the idea that they shouldn't be that good. It would help if some of their studs, so-called studs, were better, though. And with the exception of those guys I just listed, they're not. So I'll read a little excerpt here from the Romano column in case you don't go to read it. He says, you want to be mad? Point your ire in that direction. On a team with built-in disadvantages on the roster, the Bucks absolutely need their best players to show up in every way imaginable. They need to be steady and occasionally spectacular. We're not seeing that. They need to be outspoken bosses and leaders in accountability. We're not seeing that either. Frankly, we're not seeing anything that suggests players are worried about their role in the lineup despite several veterans getting outplayed by their rookie backups. Snap counts from Sunday. This is me talking now. All right. Joe Tryon Shoyenka, 34 snaps on defense. His stats, I'm going to go by category, like each category, tackles, tackles for loss, pressure. I'm going to go, so it might take a while, okay? Zero. I, that's all, for everything, zero. There it is. That, those are his stats for the game in 31, or excuse me, 34 snaps. Not, nothing, not a tackle, not a hurry, not any, I mean, just literally nothing, okay? Yaya Diaby in 21 snaps, okay? So only a little more than half the action that JTS got. Four tackles, three tackles for loss. Two of them were sacks. He's tied for second in the NFL amongst sacks for rookies. So I look at the snap count. I see JTS 34, Yaya 21, and I'm thinking, you know, 
And listen, I know it's tough. Change happens slower than it should sometimes. Like, you bring these guys in, and JTS is the high-round pick, plus he's, you know, he was first-round pick, plus he's been here longer. His job to lose. So then you get out there, and they start playing, and playing, and playing, and reps get accumulated, and it starts to become evident Diaby is better, but you don't do it right away. You're still like, well, hang on. Let's just, let's watch a little more and reinforce this. By now, though, it should be pretty apparent. Like, I get, you know, not having a quick hook. I'm not saying, you know, just completely bench one or the other. I mean, but that those snap counts, 34 for JTS, 21 for Yaya. Maybe those should be reversed. Not maybe, they should be. Back to what Romano was saying. I'm quoting again. The problem is the entire season was built around the idea that the Tampa Bay defense was sturdy enough to be a division contender as long as the offense didn't screw up too badly. Instead, the defense has gradually grown less and less dependable Again, absolutely right. Offense has done what we asked. I mean, they haven't been as good as maybe we'd hope, but they haven't had horrible turnovers. Baker Mayfield, for whatever you want to say, has not turned it over. He's missed some plays that could have been big plays. He does that too often, and that's what keeps his ceiling lower than we want it to be. But they've done enough to where the Bucs should probably be better. As it is, the Bucs are allowing 273.5 passing yards per game that is second worst in franchise history. The 2012 Bucks were the worst. And the Bucks are a team whose franchise history is not exactly littered with uh, championship. I mean, the defenses that were good were really good, but in 40-whatever-odd years, there have also been lots of bad defenses, and this one still ranks among the worst. All right. Quarterbacks have a 95.2 passer rating against them. And, you know, you look at... Todd Bowles, I've never been one of those guys that says, I I wish he'd get mad on the sideline. People talk like that like it makes a difference. Like they used to say, oh, Tony Dungy doesn't get mad enough. That's the problem. Blah, blah, blah. That's no, that's not the problem. Like the, people, every guy's personality is their personality. I don't need Todd Bowles to, you know, tip over the water, the Gatorade table to show me anything. Okay. But it does feel like the same tired things every week and the, not a lot of accountability, at least a, a I don't know what he's, I'm not going to pretend I'm in the locker room or in their practices. I don't know what he says to each individual guy or what the coordinator or the position coaches say to each individual guy, but there hasn't, at least as far as snap counts goes, been a lot of accountability. And listen, I get it. And to a degree, he's fighting for his job. He knows that. So he's not worried about 2024. He's not worried about 2025. They ain't going to be a 2024 or 2025 if they don't dig their asses out of this as far as Todd Bowles is concerned. So, you know, he's probably a little slow to trust people he doesn't know as well. Bobby Bowden used to always say, depend on the dependables. Except the Bucks' dependables aren't really dependable. And they have some guys who look like they may be blossoming. And yeah, they don't have the body of work built up yet because they're younger and newer. But they're showing something. So I'm going to be very curious to see, both against the Colts and just in the weeks to come in general, how the Bucks handle situations like that. And if there's any improvement, like I said, the Bucks schedule, if nothing else, eases up a little bit, okay? The Colts, 5-5, five and five, and they don't have Anthony Richardson anymore. Then you get Carolina, Atlanta, who you should have beaten the first time, but you get a chance to avenge that loss. Green Bay, New Orleans, Carolina, Jacksonville on Christmas Eve is the only team left that has a winning record that they play against. A record above 500 as of now. 
So I'm not going to say they can't go five and two or something like that, or four and three. And I, you know, a lot of this will depend on what happens in other games that don't involve the Bucks as well. But again, back to what I said to start the show. What do you regard as improvement? And are you going to let random like like the division championship is kind of a random designation? Whether they're eight and nine, nine and eight, or whatever. And in one division, they're the division champion. In another division, they're the fourth wild card in a three wild card team race. So they are out of the playoff. The same team, same same exact results that we get, only much different outcomes because of randomness. So that's what the Glazers will. And listen, I'm not speaking for the Glazers. I don't know what they're thinking. I just know over the years, they've never been afraid to be aggressive. I remember back when they made the move to get John Gruden, I, I, you know, as much as bad as it was with the offense back under Tony Dungy, I still wasn't quite sure they were really going to make a move. After all, he had turned the franchise around, but they did. And they didn't just make a move on Tony Dungy. They went out and then traded buttloads of top draft picks, remember, to get Gruden. I mean, they don't care. They will do it. And then the same thing in, in when they fired Gruden. I remember that team was like, what, 9-2 and two or 8-3, and three, something like that, and they lost their last five. And they ended up missing the playoffs, losing five in a row. But they still, you know, they, they weren't a bad team. They had been 9-2 and two or something like that at one point. And, uh, you know, Gruden did, after all, win the Super Bowl. And I remember thinking, yeah, they're not going to actually fire Gruden. You know, maybe, maybe another year or something. They fired him. They clipped him. And then, like we were talking about, they've gone two and out. Raheem Morris, Lovey Smith. Oh, Greg, I forgot Shiano. Shiano, who was 7-9 and nine and 4-12, and 12, they will do it. And Shiano's 7-9 and nine is no different than Todd Bowles' 8-9 and nine last season, except, again, random designation. Three teams grouped only by geography happen to also be bad in the Bucs for division champion. But if they go down this stretch with this week's schedule and they limp to the finish going 3-4, and 2-5, and five, something like that, yeah, I mean, the Glazers will do it. The Glazers are aggressive, and, and they will make a move. Or could. I'm not, I'm not predicting this will happen. I'm saying it's on the table. Just because it's only year two, you know, it doesn't have to be the case. And you can start all over again and see what happens in the draft. I don't, I don't know. Point is, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't even know what we should be rooting for to happen. And we won't know what we should have been rooting for to happen for years and years to come. That's what I'm saying. But I'll tell you this. As far as this group of bucks, because none of these guys care about what I'm saying. They're in the here and now trying to play for their jobs or coach for their jobs. So to them, I would say this. Sunday, Indianapolis... This isn't if you are what you say you are game. There's a song by uh, Lupe Fiasco, the rapper, called If You Are What You Say You Are. So this is one of those games. If you are what you say you are. Okay, San Francisco, I'll give you a tough one. You know, would have been nice to go get a win against a good team and show, hey, we can play with those guys. Didn't happen, fine. But this is a game against another team that's pretty evenly matched with you. And if you want to be that team, make the playoffs, save your job, blah, blah, blah. This is a game you go out and take care of business. Let's see what they can come up with on Sunday in Indianapolis. After that, they'll come home. They're on the road again for a couple more. And like I said, these are all beatable teams coming up. So if they are what they say they are, have no fear. The camera's here, as the song says. See what they can do. Email me if you want to. BobbyGameDay at Yahoo.com is my email address. B-O-B-B-Y-G-A-M-E-D-A-Y. BobbyGameDay at yahoo.com. On Twitter, you can get me at Bobby Game Day. Same thing. Follow me. Question me. Comments, cushion, discussion, whatever it is you want to do. 
Uh, one other thing I want to bring up is it's always interesting when they come out with this every year and they came out with it this year is there was the um, player poll, anonymous player poll that they do in The Athletic, which I subscribe to. And I was reading Greg Allman put it on his tweet feed. He's the NFC South beat writer for uh, Fox, but he, uh, he, linked, he used to work for The Athletic and linked to this. And I was just looking at, first of all, anything that pertains to the Bucks. The Bucks name didn't really come up in any of the good or bad scenarios. The players think Patrick Mahomes is the best player. No surprise there. There's some questions I don't really care about, like who's the best trash talker, blah, blah, blah. There was a player poll about their favorite and least favorite stadiums to go to. The top stadium, just out of curiosity, I looked this up. Number one was Arrowhead. They Guys love playing at Arrowhead. For the atmosphere, they say. Minnesota also graded high. Uh, they say it's very loud and fun to play in. Uh, also, the Chargers and Rams Stadium, SoFi, Green Bay and Seattle ranked highly. The worst were Washington uh, and MetLife, uh, where the Giants and Jets play, and then Buffalo. Although Buffalo, I suspect, might have to do with the weather more than anything else. And uh, like I said, Raymond James Stadium was neither high nor low. And looking around the league... I don't know. All the stadiums kind of seem the same to me nowadays. I think there's a reason why, except for um, Minnesota and L.A., it was three stadiums with personality. Arrowhead, Green Bay, Seattle, those are all stadiums with personality that aren't like the cookie-cutter stadium. And Raymond James Stadium, I think, is nice, but I still say we whiffed on it. I think we could have done so much more with that stadium as far as the architecture and it, as far as the way it's laid out and... Like, it's very, it's not a loud place in general just because it's so open. I'm not talking about the fans. I'm just talking about the way it's laid out as opposed to, if you put the exact same crowd in Seattle in a Raymond James Stadium, it wouldn't be that loud. It's not, you know, the way it's built. If you took the crowd from Raymond James and put it anywhere, it wouldn't be that loud because Raymond James ain't too exciting a place nowadays. But yeah, that's my thing. I mean, and they're on the road this week. They'll be back next week. But the Titans game, low energy, man. I wasn't there this, I, I, I wasn't there this past one. I was there the game before, but... I, you know, I know the Joes were both there, and a few other people were there. And you know, it was a boring game. They won, but it was still a very boring game. But low energy, man. What does Ira call it? The den of depression? It's not like a place like, oh, man, you better buckle your chin strap coming into Raymond James. It's just a place. I still miss the sombrero. I'll, I won't lie. I, Raymond James Stadium has now been, the Bucks have played there more than they've played at Tampa Stadium. But it's still, I call it the new stadium. And the sombrero, and you know what the sombrero had? First of all, it was tight, always a key. And I hope the Rays are listening when they build this new place in St. Pete. Stadiums need to be tight, as little space as possible between the field and the fans. And I know they made Raymond James Stadium a little bit wider because it could host soccer more easily or whatever. W screw that. What, I, how often is that even going to happen, you know? get They should have gotten it tighter. You need the fans more on top of things. Number one. Number two, what I loved about the old sombrero is there were no decks. It was just one, you know, it wasn't like, okay, let's go up the stairs and go to the second level. It was all one level. So even if you were way at the top, you felt like you were part of the same crowd everybody else was part of. And great sight lines. I wish we'd just built a modern replica of it, honestly. That's what we should have tried to do. Or like what Seattle did where we get the, you know, the covered seats and all that. But anyway, that was just something I thought was interesting with the NFL player poll. The worst stadiums, like I said, Washington just sucks in general. Um, and, and, you know, that's a lot of the remnants of Dan Snyder. Uh, MetLife, just seen, I've never been to MetLife, but it seems soulless. I would think Buffalo was pretty cool besides the cold weather, though. And Green Bay's got cold weather, and it was in the top. I, I, who knows who can make sense of it. But anyway, here we are, getting ready to go into the holiday. One of my favorite holidays, 
if I, I would say my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. And I don't like holidays as much as I used to in general. I don't have the childlike appreciation of them anymore. But I still like them. And Thanksgiving is always all about football and all about family and food without all of the extra stuff that Christmas has with the gift giving. Gift giving, that, that's, where I, that's where Christmas loses me. I'm not a religious person, so it's not really a religious holiday for me. It's more of a cultural thing. But you, you lost me at gift giving. We can eat. We can talk. We can enjoy each other. Everybody drives themselves nuts at Christmas time. And, you know, we got the kids. We'll take care of that. But beyond that, adults adults don't need to be giving each other gifts. If it makes you happy, go for it. But don't stress yourself out over it. That's why I like Thanksgiving. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stress out for Thanksgiving just to the people that are cooking, which is not me. So, uh, you know, three games on Thursday. A boatload of college games and the, with the Black Friday game. Now the first one of those ever on Friday at 3 p.m. with the Dolphins and the Jets. Sure. Hey. I will never complain about an NFL be- game being on. I don't necessarily need it that bad with all the college action Friday, but again, I-, I like to have options all the way through Saturday rivalry weekend. If you know for Florida State, Florida, if you're a supporter of one of those two schools, that's coming up on Saturday with FSU a chance to play their way into the playoff. There's a bunch of other games. It's one of the best football weekends of the year. It's also kind of a little bit of a solemn occasion because. This is when the first, this is when it starts hitting me like this is the final regular season weekend of college football championship weekend next week it, with the conference championship games is great in its own right but this is the fi- like the, the college football regular season it's been 13 weeks and here we are I mean I can't believe how fast it's gone so I always get a little bit sad about that but there's still tons left to come and really the best part left to come and we've still got a good solid 7 weeks in the NFL left before we get to the playoffs but just enjoy it. Enjoy the time with your family. And enjoy hanging out with everybody. Like I said, you know, take the time. I, I've realized this more as I've gotten older and, and certain family members of mine have started to pass away. Like the people that when I was a kid, they were the ones that were in their middle age. Now they're older. And, you know, it's not the same anymore without them. And so and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm that person to my kids. And the, the generation ahead of me that they're at getting older now, you know, it not trying to be morbid, but it ain't going to be forever. So, you know, take your time. Don't rush in and out of there and just try to get back home. Like, talk to your family members, especially if it's one of those things where you only see them on certain holidays and you don't see them that often. And just, you know, really take that time because, you know, it does go by a lot quicker the older you get. I'm learning that now. And the same goes for football season, too. So enjoy it all. Check out the Bucks game on Sunday, all the college action. We'll be back next week with the normal schedule. Hopefully, we're talking about a 5-6 and six football team. If you want to get started on your Christmas shopping, not to get you ahead of I, I, You shouldn't do anything Christmas-related until Thanksgiving passes, but that will be this weekend. So, uh, nothing better than doing nothing. The clothing line, our good friend Andrew, who's a listener, runs it. And I was able to get a couple of t-shirts and a bathing suit. I'm already getting compliments on the Don't Hound Me t-shirt that I've worn a few times. The website, if you want to just go check out everything they have, is nothingbetterlife.com. Just go to nothingbetterlife.com. Check them out. There's some really cool stuff on there, real casual, like just good-looking stuff that you would wear as a person who lives in Florida where Thanksgiving has weather that you could maybe sneak in a swim. Like That's the kind of clothing it is, and that's why stuff I love. Check them out, nothingbetterlife.com. And other than that, folks, like I said, if you are what you say you are, Bucks, here's your chance on Sunday in Indianapolis to reel this thing back in, and let's make a season out of it, if we're going to do that, okay? Uh, Otherwise, what are we doing here? Go up and take care of business against the Colts. Thanks to the Joes, JoeBucksFan.com, 
the single best place anywhere, TV, Internet, Radio, for Bucks coverage, all-inclusive. And it's a privilege to be a part of it and to have their, their giving me the ability to get in front of you guys every week. I appreciate that. Thanks to you guys for listening. Have a great holiday weekend. Be safe. Have fun. Prioritize protein. You can eat big if it's good for you, man. Just don't go nuts with you know, take your body doesn't care if it's a holiday or not. You still gotta take care of it. Prioritize protein and some veggies in there as well. I'll be back next week. Thanks to all of you. Wherever you are, happy Thanksgiving. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and go bucks.